And this is the Mental Health Check-In Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bring mental health awareness as a means to help us all heal, because this is a podcast that wants you to heal through mental health awareness, because the more we learn, the more we heal, and today we're going to be learning from Sophie Williams and Melissa Chappelle. They're two psychology experts, graduates, researchers from the UK, host their own podcast called Autism by Autistics, and like me, they're on the autistic spectrum. And we spent this episode together talking about the mental health of autistic people and how atypical people can help their neurotypical buddies who could be struggling right now. Just a heads up for everybody listening right now. If it looks like I'm shaking like a leaf in this episode, if it sounds like I'm shaking like a leaf in this episode, it's because I'm shaking like a leaf in this episode. (laughs) And I was shaking like a leaf because, honestly, I was nervous this whole episode. Which, the the nerves have nothing to do with Sophie or Melissa. They they were both fantastic. They were both wonderful. Offered wonderful insight. I'm a big fan of the podcast as well. And they offered just as much great insight on that show as they offered for this episode. I was just nervous because I'm not really used to talking about my autism publicly yet. I was diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome or high-functioning autism, which, let me tell you, your boy is never functioning. That is false advertisement. But in any case, I was diagnosed when I was five years old, and it's only in recent years that I've really put the work in to really think about it, understand it, and just accept it as part of who I am. And... I'll be honest, there was a point where I, I won't say I was ashamed of my autism, but I guess I ignored it, like, or at least I treated it as something that I could ignore, put on a back burner, as something that's not closely knit to my own identity, without really understanding how closely linked my condition is to really everything about me especially my identity so i wouldn't even tell people in private until like recently and to go from telling close friends in private just in passing was kind of tough for me mentioning my autism in a couple episodes of checking podcasts here and there again even in passing it's tough for me going in depth on a public platform about not only my autism but as a I guess, representative of the autistic community and talking autism in a general way that's helpful and digestible to listeners, that's that's a big leap for me. So forgive me if I was just a little bit nervous for this episode. But trust me, if you can get past the fact that I look like my palms are sway, knees are weak, arms are heavy, about to be vomit on my sweater already. Mom spaghetti. She just cooked that. How rude of me. If you can get past that, then you'll get some wonderful insight, I think. Especially from Sophie and Melissa. Because, again, 
they were great. And if you agree that they were great, if you want to hear more from them and what they do, you can find more of them on Twitter at SophieWilliams28 and at Melissa Chappelle. And their podcast, Autism by Autistics, is on YouTube and all podcasting platforms, much like this podcast. Mental Health Check-In Podcast, also on YouTube and everywhere else, podcast streaming platforms, Twitter at Check-In Pod, Instagram at Check-In Podcast, Facebook, UpliftUnited.com, Uplift United on Patreon, which I recommend subscribing to, less for myself, but more from, more for other people in Uplift United who could use your support, who are attached to the network, and if you yourself are struggling with life at the moment and could really use someone to talk to please refer to the hotline numbers i recommend in the description below and with all of that said let's just dive right into this how are y'all doing today (laughs) so to go first um oh gosh i'm doing all right actually it's been a busy day actually so i'm not used to having busy days it's like the first day i've kind of really been getting everything done so it's good i feel like i've been doing calls all day but that's most days not <laughs> what about like how are y'all doing like as far as like emotionally mentally i think since christmas it's been really hard for me and i think just i think throughout the pandemic i think it's hard to be disabled and okay there's a lot <laughs> going on. oh you go sorry it's okay <laughs> the time that you're finished <laughs> now i forgot <laughs> you just go it'll come back to me i was gonna say i think like it's always really difficult and i don't know if it's an autistic thing or just a thing thing um after the christmas break to get back into any sort of system um there's always a bit of a mental health rock but i think with the pandemic and it's like oh you're just stuck at home still um while i'm grateful for like being safe it's really really hard to get back on your feet without like spring coming very quickly <laughs> yeah it seems like everyone's kind of going through their own thing but it may be especially hard on disabled people like us like myself especially if you're used to a certain system and then something like this just just changes everything for the worse and then it just gets more difficult to maintain and change things you know yeah i think it definitely is because i think like maybe the things i would have done last year like because for me the start of February is the last time I went out last year so for me it'll literally be a year of all the shielding I've been doing to protect family members and so and myself really it's so it's kind of really hit that it's been that 12 months so I think that's not helped yeah I've been on the same boat last time I went out was middle of March early March something like that and understand that's been like a year since i've been social it's 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 a weird feeling i guess so with that said i guess i kind of want to ask y'all like how have y'all coped over the course of the last year i haven't i was gonna say like <laughs> i don't have a secret i just failed no secret <laughs> i think it's just like there was a really great thing on facebook and it was like friendships just taking it in turns to message each other about mental breakdowns and i think that's just been me and melissa for the fashion year it's just like each day it's like who's it today <laughs> so there's no magical secrets I think for me one of the things I've tried to do is have something to look forward to 
even if it's simple, something as simple as like, I'm going to watch a film with myself or like friends or my mom. And that's like just little things each week or like bigger things. Like there's a game that's going to come out in summer and I'm like, yeah, I'm excited for that. So that's like more of a long-term thing. But I think for me, it's just like anything that can bring some form of like excitement or happiness. It's like, yes, we cling to this. My brain's developed a really weird thing where I don't crash. Like it's obviously that I get depressed and stuff when it gets really bad, but I don't just stop functioning. Instead, my brain's like wanting to do some sort of creative expression, whether that's art, writing, recording. And that's really problematic when I've got like a scientific PhD to write up and my brain's like, no, we need to process this creatively. Yeah, it's been nice not being a student because I graduated last year. So I've kind of been in this haze of like, I've got the time to like crash and burn and then fill it with the things that can bring me joy. I'm not having to write up anything now. It's nice. Yeah, I think everything takes more time. And I think I'm spending more time just being just like that very depression thing of just I need to just curl up for a while. So I feel like I spent a lot of time just existing. So all this free time I thought I had has not gone as far as I thought it was going to go. I've been really lucky where my supervisors were just like, do you know what, take the free time when you need the free time or you're just going to break and your work's going to suffer for that. Um, I know like not everybody's in that position where like if you're working like a nine to five job, you've probably not got a nice supervisor that way. But um, it's been really helpful. Like I still have had an end date looming and that's not been moved enough to account for the pandemic but it's just been nice saying like I can't function right now like I've got to just pause. Pausing is good I think like like Sophie said like existing helps sometimes like sometimes you just have to curl up to a bar curl up into a ball and yes exist because life in general can be overwhelming sometimes especially for an autistic person at least speaking from my perspective and so, like, sometimes you just have to, like, sit and not think. And with that said, I kind of, I'm kind of curious, like, not that there's any secret to it or anything, but just, like, how have y'all coped in, like, regular day-to-day life, like, pre-pandemic? So before the pandemic? Yes. Um, I think, like, I had, I never stuck to a strict routine because I think as an autistic person, then if that had to be deviated from, that became a problem in itself um but I always tried to have like quite a loose routine of like getting up at the same time going out at the same time um I really liked like the building that I worked in and um, the campus that I was on for work and stuff so that always really helped and things like being able to just like go shopping and not necessarily buy anything but just have headspace to wander around doing nothing for a while I think like I was definitely someone who coped by going outside <laughs> and the pandemic just made me have to completely reevaluate everything because I just didn't have indoor coping or like very sort of introspective coping mechanisms. It was all very much about going and escaping and getting some freedom. <laughs> um, so that's been the biggest adjustment, I think, as well. I think what I've been quite lucky is I've always been someone who's quite like basically a hermit. Like I don't really go out a lot. A lot of my socialization's online. So I think for me, there wasn't some huge changes in regards to certain things for some other people. But I think like I miss going out for a coffee and just little, there's like really just little things that like I miss that used to help me cope. I think like 
as Melissa said, like, you know, just going shopping because I, I was a student and I'd been at college before that doing A-level. So it's like I sort of had so long of just being a student. And so it was like the same routine, the same study pattern. So I think I had that to rely on. Like I knew I had all these set things that had to be done. And it was just about like getting that done and then finding the headspace to do things I enjoyed. Like gaming's always been a good one and just relaxing and just the familiarity of like a routine. But I do the same as well. So I don't stick to a super strict routine. Because I find that actually quite difficult. Do you mind if I ask you all some questions about being in the psychology field? No, it's great. We we know that. <laughs> we can, we can actually those. give you helpful advances, <laughs> advance answers. Even I'm sorry, yeah. my brain's not working today. Yeah. So, like, um, there was a stat that I saw saying that just in the context of not just the pandemic, but just in general, that disabled people, autistic people, are more at risk for. I guess what's being called a mental health crisis and to struggle with their own mental health. Is there, can you explain why that may be? And if there's any way, perhaps any advice you can give to any autistic listeners who are struggling, especially during this time? Um, so for like talking as a psychologist, um, you're completely right in that. I think it was the second biggest killer of autistic people was death by suicide. Um, and if you're interested, like if any of your listeners are interested, Sarah Cassidy at Nottingham University in the UK is doing like really big research projects on that. Um, a huge part of it is actually that we're more likely to suffer sleep problems. That was like, I think a third maybe of the problem, um, as well as other things like the fact that, you know, we're more socially isolated and that results in loneliness. And then we know that that causes like mental health problems and just generally being like dehumanized and stuff in society generally has a bad effect on people um so it's a huge massive risk and as well what's quite interesting is in the general population um men are more at risk of death by suicide than women whereas in the autistic population research shows that there's absolutely no gender difference so it's just that on the whole autistic people are massively at risk compared to non-autistic people um obviously it's just the first thing is always knowing where to go for help and that depends on where you live um so there's like charities and things in the UK that you can contact that will probably be different for American listeners and so on um so just knowing who to contact when you need to and that you have to tell somebody that you suffer and don't suffer alone um obviously it's hard to preach to people about how to stay mentally healthy when our lives are just harder so I think it's just about being prepared for what could happen um, because it's okay to struggle mentally and just try and remind yourself that you will get there with the right support in place but it's really really difficult and it's worrying to be honest to see research like that and you just hope that they can turn the tide on that quite quickly. <laughs> I think one of the things I did in my final year at uni is I did a review of research into masking, camouflaging, it's got interchangeable terms, and that's when autistic people act neurotypical or hide autistic traits in order to not be seen as autistic and sort of blend in with society. And that was me looking at if it impacted mental well-being. And so from what I found from like a collection of studies people had done is people were saying 
that yeah it did cause anxiety it did cause depression and for many they were attributing it to suicidal thought it was part of that like the strain of having to hide who you are just to fit in and just the energy that takes and I think again that must tie into the sleep problems that lack of energy and just how much I think from a personal point of view where it's really hard is especially during the pandemic you'll see in every day disabled people are dying that's just like a really clear obvious fact of life right now and I think there was even stuff about it like beforehand like we saw that there's just so much hate and discrimination I think being exposed to that definitely just endlessly just chips away I think one of the things that I've done to cope is I actually went on a holiday to somewhere that didn't have internet connection in the hotel rooms and I didn't realize how nice it was to just be disconnected to just get away from all that information and seeing and being exposed to that and I think as well it's a holiday it's time to recharge but I think just I think it's that time to recharge but that's really hard to get in a lot of circumstances it's really hard to not be somewhere that's busy and real life has got so many like things you've got to do it's hard there's also a fantastic review it's like the best review that's been done personally in my opinion as a reader on masking by amy pearson and kieran rose that came out this year like last month i think oh yes and they've spoken about the fact that so as sophie rightly said masking causes mental health problems and what then happened is you got advocates and psychologists saying, take off the mask, you know, just stop masking and you'll be okay. Yeah. And Amy and Kieran found that there's two forms of masking. So there's the conscious masking that we do when we know it's going to be a difficult social situation or someone might judge us. Um, and that's things that we can do something about. But there's also um, unconscious masking, you could call it, where just by the nature and they pointed out that you know it's not just autistic people being a part of any minority group just the nature of being in that minority group from like most of your life whether you were aware of it all the time or not for example with autism um you start to learn it as a sort of subconscious behavior so for example if you're in a situation where there's generally a risk of being a victim of crime so say like you're out in a big city in the dark and you know that you're more vulnerable because you're in a minority group you are naturally going to start masking without even realising it because your brain's gone into like fight or flight if we've just got to get through this. And so masking isn't always counterproductive. It's just we shouldn't have to do it, unfortunately, until society tackles those things and there's not much we can do. Um, so I think as well, like one thing I was struggled with with the anti-masking campaigns was that I couldn't stop masking. And then I felt like, am I doing this to myself? Is this my fault? And I think it's okay to remember that it's just not your fault. It's the way society's built. And until we get full equality, there's always going to be an element of having to judge your surroundings and decide how much of yourself to be open with. I definitely agree with that. And to piggyback off that, I'll definitely say that, like for me on a personal level, at least, like it's the unconscious masking that was always really difficult just because uh, I guess I got into a routine of masking so much that I wasn't even aware I was masking. And I guess because I was quote unquote high functioning autistic, a lot of people wouldn't even think or realize I was autistic, so to speak. And if there was ever like a slight moment and I was in a stressful situation that I guess would make my disability slip through the cracks, so to speak, that's when 
that's what made me prone to like autistic breakdowns and autistic shutdowns. And because for me, at least, and you two can chime in if you want, because I, because people weren't aware I was autistic, I would not get the support that I needed when the masking kind of like slipped off. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think even with disclosure, that can be quite difficult as well. Yeah, I think like just because you tell someone you're autistic, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be helpful. I I tend to like, if I'm going to be in a situation, like I went away with a group of friends a few years ago and like they all knew I was autistic, but like people got like the rundown of like, this is what my meltdowns look like. This is what to do. And that was really hard because that were online friends. That's the first time me meeting most of them in person. But like everyone was super lovely and that's reassuring. But even if you've had that good experience, like I know the next group of people I told might react really badly. So it's like you always end up masking just becomes so normal. And then it's so scary to have to to know if that slips and what the consequences of that. I think as well, the type of people who don't react well and see stuff like, oh, you don't look autistic. I think you've been misdiagnosed. You know, they start playing like, oh, oh I'm just a psychologist. Um, yeah. Those are the people that when you then have to stop masking because you're on the verge of a meltdown or you've had a really bad day, um, they start acting like, what are you doing? I don't want to be around you when you're like this. They do not want to support you for yeah. enough. Um, so it's really, really hard because with some people, there's nothing you can do. And um, I did put out on Twitter at one point, there was just so many people being problematic to autistic people and autistic people and felt like they had to negate that by over explaining things and educating. And I just put out reminders to my followers, like, you do not have to do that. The people being discriminatory or the people that have to go away and learn, it's not your job to then try and teach them especially if they're not already listening and somebody said to me you know important point of conversation that they felt that by not speaking they were abusing their advantages against autistic people who don't have that chance to speak up and my answer to them was that if you just tell your own truth in your own space not necessarily engaging in conversation with problematic people but just putting it out there when you're ready to in your own way whatever that looks like you know even if you're just putting artwork out there for example or a write-up of a creative project that's still your reality as an autistic person that's still educating people you do not have to engage with problematic individuals to do that i think as an extension of that is you don't have to go into activism and advocacy. I think I've seen people who thought they don't want to do that. And like, that's fine. Like Melissa says, you don't have to, it's not your job. If you want to do that, that's fine. And I often take breaks from it because it's, it's hard and it's draining. And there's some people you're just never going to teach. And I suppose just on that point, I kind of want to ask like for autistic people who have disclosed or like for, I guess what I'm trying to say is for non- autistic listeners who want to do more in helping say their autistic friends I guess cope like how how does a non-autistic person be a good support system if that question makes sense Mm -hmm. I've been recently researching stigma and things like unconscious stigma so it's not that everybody's just nasty you know yeah no there's a lot of great people (laughs) 
accidentally being judgmental or not considering things that they have to consider to be inclusive. Um, and the best way to get around that is to treat everybody as an individual. Um, basically, look for similarities between you and them. Focus on the fact that you are both human, no matter what you think of that other person. You've both got a shared human experience in that you'll have similar emotions, similar patterns of experience. Find what your similarities are on a contextual level and then operate within that to explore that person's individuality, what makes them different from you and understand that it is only nuanced differences. Um, autistic and non-autistic people at their core are not that different because we're all human. It's just about understanding the differences in processing. So then you can start to ask questions like, okay, so if this thing becomes difficult for you while we're out together, for example, how do I support you? And listening to that person. And you can extract some information from an individual to be supportive to another autistic person in the future. So for example, if you've got an autistic child, then you will be at an advantage with other autistic people if you've got a really great relationship with that person and you know them well and you've learned how to be sensitive towards them but it's better to hone that skill of sensitive individuality exploration rather than looking for stereotypes and going okay yeah I'm going to see that in the next autistic person because the reality is autism just means the way that our brain works and processes things and whilst in our psychology department, we don't agree with the explanation of different types of autistic people because across research, that's never proven to be helpful. Um, but people are individuals. We have our own lives and our own preferences and idiosyncrasies. And that's why you see so many differences across autistic people. And then obviously you've got things like support needs. So some autistic people need more support than others and that's fine. They might have other disabilities as well. And that is gonna change the picture of support that they need. And it's, that's why it's just so important to remember that someone's an individual and more importantly, because it's something people always forget is human uniqueness applies to every human. <laughs> um, there was research that showed people actually don't believe autistic people have human uniqueness traits which is just disturbing <laughs> like why would you assume that about any group of people just try and actively remember that everybody has equal value to you I think that's the best advice to give to someone I think as well like where I felt that is when I've disclosed to friends like the ones who I definitely feel most supported by are the ones who've just sort of gone like okay this is still Sophie Sophie's just autistic as well as being Sophie that's part of who Sophie is and that's been really nice that's when you feel like okay they get the point that like I'm autistic but I'm Sophie that's just part of my identity and who I am and how I think rather than seeing it as this is this is an autistic person what are they like compared to everyone else is that definitely individual thing yes I I agree with that and um to like backtrack a little bit um I feel like we should also define this for non-autistic listeners like as far as just the definition of autism and what does autism mean to the both of you? I think it's hard to find a definition. As a researcher, when you're writing a paper and it's like, mm -hmm. give us a definition, it's hard to find two that are the exact same. <laughs> and that's okay because having a loose definition for autism is generally better. But we always go with broad things like it's a neurodevelopmental difference. So it's there from the second you're born, um, maybe even before then, we don't know. And... 
it changes the way that you process the world around you so the way you think about things the way you interact with the world that you're exposed to um so I do, anyone that's listened to mine and Sophie's podcast will know the lemur explanation because oh gosh the lemurs <laughs> there's some reason I could not think of the word go for it no you need to explain the lemurs <laughs> so, I'd been watching a documentary where they were talking about the fact that there's different kinds of lemurs so you've got tree lemurs and ground lemurs and they're the same species but they've got different advantages and disadvantages by nature of being different um and I always started using that as the explanation of autistic and non-autistic is that we're just different, different advantages, different disadvantages. But yeah, the proper explanation is biodiversity. Just for some reason, I went straight to lemurs. So. Lemurs. And my conclusion from that is like, okay, so autistic people are the tree lemurs and the other people are the ground lemurs. Someone did compare us to bats, so I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that way. Okay, I mean, bats are fine. Maybe not in these circumstances. but It's um, because they use sonar to communicate. I don't know if I've said that properly. <laughs> but, yeah, like, they don't communicate the same way as other animals. They use, like, this really weird technique. So Okay, that, that works. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. I actually remember that from uh, one of your episodes. I thought that was a really great analogy, actually. <laughs> this is the thing. I thought is... everyone was just going to think that I'd lost no. it for a moment. I think for me, I always feel like because I've listened to that back and it's just like, it's this beautiful explanation that I just completely break and just go, so like autistic people are truly messed. That's all I get. I just ruin it. I think for me, it's that thing that I think as well, like when you're within psychology, especially autism research and activism, like you're constantly hearing different definitions. So it's quite hard to sometimes distinguish your own. Uh, But for me, I think it's just that I process and perceive the world differently that is always how it is at its core and I think even growing up I knew I wasn't like everyone else so I think that really fits my experiences before I knew I was autistic as well so I think I mean I do think things like sensory differences are part of it and like special interests and stuff there's very specific things which I feel are part of being autistic because it seems to be so common across us all but I think again it's very individual and it is just that difference of perception and thought process I agree with that and that's also how I define it for me just while special interest and like um, sesame processing is also in in the mix it's just it mostly just boils down to for me just processing the world differently doesn't make me or anyone else any different from just the average neurotypical person but just it's a different way of processing I guess. I think one of the analogies I've seen quite a lot that I really love is it's like using different operating systems on a computer so if if you use like Windows operating system or the Mac operating system they both still work and like do the same things they just are different but it doesn't make anyone better or worse I mean there's a whole argument if it is but it's I always feel like that's a good one to use to explain because I think it gives people something tangible to and people something people may not know about different types of lemurs as much as different types of operating system. Um, I think as well like because the research project I've just done was literally taking autistic and non-autistic people and trying to reduce that stigma between them Um, and one idea that we keep coming across is that there's actually no such thing as a neurotypical um, 
so within neurodiversity it's believed that there are neurodivergent people so that would include autistic people and those people have significant group differences that end up resulting in a culture um so it's really important to recognize that but amongst the people who are not neurodivergent there's just so much unique differences between them and actually whenever you just have a chat with someone and say oh you're neurotypical they sort of start going what no I'm not like everyone else and telling you every possible way that they are different (laughs) (laughs) so I think like we just don't do enough to try and acknowledge that and I think the human brain from a psychology perspective we always try and simplify things and categorize things to make sense of the world because it's so complex and as you might know whenever we avoid doing that and we try and deal with complexity and difficulty we go into cognitive dissonance so it becomes more and more difficult as time goes on and so it's easy to see why we've created these systems of explanation but in actual fact the more you read into the history of it this idea of a normal human processing system was just created to explain the bell curve that there is a majority who they're not necessarily similar to each other but the way society runs currently works for them and not necessarily for us a lot of the time. Um, So once we start to think about that and the fact that, you know, there is no coherent group of human processing cognition, then you can easily start to think about the fact that autistic people are not a problematic difference within that. I'd agree with that. And I can't think of any other, well, actually, no, I, I think I do have one more question for you for you both. And I guess before we get out of here, I want to ask just, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd want to, that you'd want to mention as far as be it advice, be a statement that you want for autistic listeners or non-autistic listeners or both? I think funnily enough, I have a conversation about this earlier that it's, things are going to go up and down, like just naturally like mental health isn't stable. And even if you don't necessarily have something which is maybe a mental health condition, is like everyone's got, it's not always going to be happy all the time. And I think it's okay to just have days that are okay, days that are difficult, days that are sad. And I think it's about not being mean to yourself about the days you maybe do need to just take time out and recharge and just take each day as it is. And I think sometimes that's all you can do. And I think if you start to be really critical in yourself, it just makes everything so much harder. There's a book, and I've forgotten the author's name, which is really bugging me, but she's an autistic author. And it's called Wintering. It's just came out in the US. Um, It's been out in the UK for a little while. Um, What she argues is that humans tell each other that we're always supposed to be in the summer of life. We're always supposed to be happy and enjoying things. And any time we deviate from that, we start like beating ourselves up and saying like oh this has gone wrong this is not how life's supposed to be and then we compare to other people and go oh no yeah my life's definitely gone off track this is not right but what she explains is that if we saw the whole of life as seasonal and we expect winters to happen where we have to spend extra time looking after ourselves so she spends a lot of time on that analogy of how during winter you know we have to do actions keep warm to keep happy because there's less daylight life goes that way too and it's okay if you hit a hard winter um, that you've just got to try and weather the best way that you can. Everybody does it. And I think the more we speak openly about that, the more 
it gets easier when you're in that wintering phase yourself because you know that it's not just you and you've not done anything wrong and it's just a given of life that there's always going to be a winter around the corner somewhere um and we can really support each other through that because we know it happens I think we just need to really stop stigmatizing things like that I've just googled it it's by Catherine May thank you (laughs) (laughs) I was like because it all and I'm like oh oh look a new book for me I think as well, I think it's that sort of switch on what Miller said, like don't compare yourself to others. I think that's a really big source of you're you. We've all had our own individual life experiences. We all do things at a different pace. Like one of the things that um, you often see, because I've done a lot of work with parents and carers of autistic people, and everything gets so focused. And just society in general, you've got to be somewhere by a certain stage of life. Like my mum's always said, like to me, I've always felt like, I've been five years behind like everyone else and I think a big thing that I've had to do is just come to terms with you know what it's okay that's my timeline that's fine not everything has to happen super quickly or at a certain point and your life is your life I think it's about being there's a lot to be said for just being content with what you're doing and where you're at and that's hard to reach is it's, it's, it's another book reference but <laughs> it's go. Always, it all, always reading with us <laughs> lemurs and books i've just been reading writing advice by joanne harris who's like a well-known author and she says that the worst mistake you can ever make as an artist of any kind is to start comparing your work to other artists but the best thing that you can do is compare it to, compare it to your past self and i think that applies to life as well if you only ever compare to your past self you see growth you see that you've come a long way if you start comparing to other people with different contexts you're gonna feel yeah oh no like i'm not doing good enough but if you just compare backwards you'll see that obviously you've come further than wherever you were I think, funnily enough, someone had tweeted about reading their autism report, diagnostic report, and I said, oh, well, mine was done when I was 15, and that was what I deemed the train wreck years of my life. Like, it was it was a really rough period. It was just a train wreck from age 13 to 17. Um, and I said, it really doesn't reflect anything like who I am now. It's very education-orientated, and obviously I'm not in that now. But also, like... I- when I read that back I'm such a vastly different person I'm so much more comfortable in myself and my mental health yeah I still have the severe depression like times the the winters referring to the book um but it's so much different and I think if you do compare to your past self you'll be very surprised I think that's wonderful advice from the both of you and I thank you for sharing it thank you for coming on this podcast but before we go there's just one thing I'd like to to say that every episode, I have this thing where I give people their flowers, so to speak, make make my guests know why I appreciate them in case we never speak again. And I appreciate you both just for producing the Autism Biotistics podcast, like, uh, like in the thick of quarantine, really right before quarantine, I went through a really traumatic moment that I deemed was really tied to my autism and going into quarantine, it put me into this severe depression and I was kind of like searching for answers because I never really dove into my own autism it was I had so many other health conditions growing up that that was always put on the back burner on my end and your podcast just mentioning your podcast and like the middle of lockdown it it helped me gain the answers that I really needed it was kind of like my first step to kind of understanding myself and maybe rediscovering myself and 
just from all the episodes you produce there, I, I think it really helped contribute to me being in a much, much better place almost an entire year from now since then. So I thank you so much for providing that for the world. I think you both do amazing work just telling your story through the podcast and explaining all these different terms. It's definitely helped me a lot and I can only imagine how many other people it's helped. So I thank you for producing that. And of course, I thank you for coming on this podcast. Thank you. It's been, I think, yeah. I think hearing people and the benefits they've had makes just amazing. (laughs) 